to Peer Into Recovery, a podcast with a focus on the profession of peer support. For more information about how to subscribe, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org. Welcome to another edition of Peer and Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Newcomb. Thanks for joining us. Today, we have a great guest. Her name is Heather Pate. She comes to us as the Director of Operations from Robin's Hope here in Richmond, Virginia. In 2017, she became a CPRS and then upgraded to an RPRS. She's a certified older adult peer support trainer. She's also certified to work as a trainer with the LGBTQIA plus community. She's RAP certified trainer. She's diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice involved certified trainer. She's also a trainer for trauma-informed care. She is a peer-activated resilience trainer and a state trainer of the DBHDS 72-hour PRS training and an all-around great person. So, Heather, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing great. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for being a part of the program. So let's get right into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story of origin and tell us about you know, how you got into peer services yourself, and then we'll kind of segue into what you're doing as a director of operations over at Robin's Hope. Absolutely. So I got kind of into my own personal stories coming out of trauma, lots and lots of trauma uh, early on in life and um, doing everything I could to like please my parents so that I could get love. And whether that was something that they wanted in, in that time or not, it's just what I was. And then I got myself pressed, anxious, uh, self-injury, all that kind of stuff was coming up in my teenage years on and off in my early 20s, in and out of therapy. And I, later in my 20s, uh, in and out of the hospital. Um, and so I was in and out the hospital well over 10 times. And as I started to get that feeling that I was comf- more comfortable in the hospital than I was in my own community. Um, and I happened to come across the peer-run organization. And that organization supported had a peer specialist and I went to their trauma group and that made a huge difference just in the very first time I went there was able to connect with people um the group was very encouraging I was going through a difficult time even in that moment and I remember the peer specialist taking me outside off to the porch and said, you know, here, I'm going to give you this piece of paper and this is a personal bill of rights. And, and this is something that we all get. And, and I looked at it and just kept like, no, I'm the exception to the rule, exception to the rule, exception to the rule all the way down. I couldn't process that. But over time I started to uh, recognize or, and she afforded me opportunities to see that I have that right. Um, She knew she couldn't change my mind, but she could be there and model it for me. And she passed away, but she has, I know she's watching over it. I remember that trauma group and her really pushing the bounds of starting a trauma group. And then I had in my mind, what about a trauma, like specific trauma and resilience program? And, uh, so personally, I had to start with getting myself taken care of, and um, and I did so. And then, yeah, 2018, here I am. I got the certification in 2017. I had no clue what I was going to use it for. No clue. Right. 
I'm like, somebody's just dragging me. You're going to like this. Whatever. This is the certification you want. (laughs) Like, okay, let me just see. And I knew the certification came with being fathered, grandfathered into um, without taking the test. And I was so excited about that part. I didn't care what I was getting into. Oh, you can skip a test. I mean, hey, skip the test. That's what I did in college. <laughs> but I, and I didn't know what I was going to do. It ends up, I came out of that training. I ended up with uh, my chronic pain uh, came, came up significantly and I was out for a while, um, had no clue what I was going to do. And then in the hospital, actually, um, they're trying to help me manage pain and my brain because of that pain. And um, they were able to help me reduce the pain level. And as soon as they did that, I started going and interacting with everybody on the unit. And then like, as I left, everybody's giving me a hug. And I I realized that that's what this is all about. Um, And that I want to I want to continue to build that as an opportunity in the community um, for people to connect, share, be with one another. So you came to that place of, you know, giving back that which was given to you. Yeah. Pass it on, as they say, in the 12-step world. Yep, absolutely. So powerful story, particularly the the little vignette you gave of the uh, PRS who met with you and took you outside and shared the personal bill of rights. And you you said that as you read each one, you were like exception to the rule. What is it like now when you read the Bill of Rights for personal Bill of Rights? A completely different experience. So we started our RISE group at Robin's Hope. And, and part of that was reading the personal Bill of Rights at the beginning, mostly also because I needed to hear it. <laughs> sure. Um, and over time, I have, there were certain rights that I would accept more than others. And my the hardest one for me was the right to be playful and frivolous. I just thought that's silly. That's not, you know what? And now I'm at that place where I'm like, yeah, heck yeah. I can be playful and frivolous. In fact, playful is, is all about healing. A lot of times we take that message as kids that, that the real person matures and doesn't ever do that anymore. So you put it in a closet, so to speak, or you throw it out the window, whatever you want to do and not access that again. So that kind of sets the tone for you. And then tell us how you get to Jeremiah Foundation and Robin's Hope. All right. So over time, uh, I shared, I was a roommate with my, one of my close friends who's actually co-founder of the organization uh, initially. And I needed help making rent, make ends meet. And we came together and kind of worked that out. And it was like, all right, well, you know, two, two works better than one, um, in recognizing each other's strengths, um, and supporting each other in those challenges. But then over time also seeing like, she brought in um, the Jeremiah Foundation, her and her previous roommate, and that roommate passed away, but that roommate wanted to see something along the lines of Robin's Hope. Instead, it was more turning towards uh, teenage support after school, um, and that wasn't quite fitting. Again, the roommate passed away, and um, and I met Jennifer's probably good 10, 12 years after, 10 years after all of that. 
And I like trying to find a way to go, all right, this is what helps and this is what doesn't help. And I used to go through all of these clinical workbooks and pull out stuff that says like, oh, that's a great worksheet that that makes sense. And then this one, oh, please give me a break. <laughs> and I went no, through that, <laughs> did that a whole lot um, to the point we kind of created a resource. Um, and even uh, she shared some of that with her her people in the clinical world um, to, and some people took it seriously and, and really grew from those experiences uh, from going through that process. But in the midst of it, it was like, all right, so now what? And wanting to do a group of some kind, but trauma group, nobody wants to come and talk about the worst thing that's ever happened in their life to complete random strangers. <laughs> Yeah, come on. Hey, I was just wondering if there's a place I can feel depressed with everybody else. We have popcorn. But as we, I, I got introduced to this resilience card deck and I started going through those cards, had a huge aha moment myself. It was like, you know, as much as these are normal concepts, like regular everyday concepts in our lives, I don't think I've ever unpacked this in a way that I can see that I'm doing it in the healthy way. And so that created this group called Rise. And together we talked about different resilience skills and the way people um, use those resilience skills or how they accomplish doing those resilience skills. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that, you know, I can really voice what I want to say to somebody and see that because I voiced it, it mattered. Um, yeah, it's huge. And I didn't really like, I started to hear other people's experiences and the way they did, uh, live their lives. And then I never failed, never failed about a month, maybe after, um, that group, I'd be faced with a challenge to engage in that resilience skill. And I'm like, well, so-and-so said this worked for them. I'm going to give that a try. Yeah. And next thing you know, people are turning around and like getting completely different responses. And I was like, wow, you know, I would have, I would have loved to have known this earlier in life. <laughs> um, if, if you've not experienced healthy, um, then how are you able to give it to others or to express it? yourself. And so then I realized that I needed to embrace these cards and I really needed to bring them into my life. Uh, yeah. It's a resilience card deck by community resilience initiative. Cards you're talking about. This is not like cards against humanity game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's Virginia healthcare foundation came up with an adult version of the card deck which Community Resilience Initiative created as a, as a child version. Virginia, few people in Virginia worked on creating this adult card deck. And then I was I was just all in. Yeah, I, I think it sounds really cool. I mean, I'll be honest, part of me is like, order that after the podcast. Order that for yourself. <laughs> just in case you need a shot in the arm of resilience. If you were to say, what are the top three resilience skills you've learned in your life that really help you personally and then also informed your work? At uh, Robin's Hope. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is ask for help. Yeah, it is a huge one. Um, another one that really gets me, and I'd say those two in particular are probably the biggest for me. Um, the second one is 
having one supportive other in our lives that doesn't judge. I remember doing rap early on in my own recovery process. Rap requires you to to share your rap plan with like five people. And I sat there, I was married, I had a church family, I had all these people around me and I'm looking at this thing going, I don't trust anybody with this. Mm. And that again, falling into another aha moment. And I had to like think on that or process that. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? Um, And how do I build relationships? Yeah, I've learned in in the work that I've done just personally and, and professionally that people need safety first. If they have safety, then they can build trust. If they have trust, then they can be vulnerable. And you got to have them in that order. If you don't have safety, forget it. Because exactly. So when you go out on that limb, because vulnerability and, and trust, they're not coming. No. They let down. And safety never even showed up. So you got to have safety because you got to know, because we fear judgment and rejection. Yeah. Those are the two big ones. Because everybody wants to be liked, loved, and accepted for who they are, wherever they are, whenever they are. What? What? Huh? For, with the rap plan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when does Robin so? kick off officially robin soap officially kicked off on uh june 4th of 2018 um and we opened to our first rise group which was that resilience card deck and we had two people show up two people other than me (laughs) and jennifer (laughs) that was a win okay 2018 yes um but we've known each other for a while prior to that yeah okay and so you did the the rise group and had two other people and Jennifer Kell is the executive director and you guys have been working together since 2018 correct and people kept coming not only kept coming coming but uh it started to build that really I found that I needed to be really vulnerable in those groups and be real. And it has been straight up from there. <laughs> um, in order to make sure that everybody knew that that space was available to be vulnerable uh, yeah. and authentic. Lead by example. Um, if sometimes I wasn't like, I just putting it out there. This is, this is where I'm at. Um, and to see the group rally around one another and support one another, um, was a big deal and it just started kind of taking off. But then I put this whole piece caveat into all of it and said, Jennifer, this is only going to grow as fast as I can handle it. And, uh, so there you go. Cause so she that's, said, really, that's going, Hey, I know I have mm-hmm. you know, their levels. I can go to yeah. here. I can't go to here yet. Got to get to here first. And then, you know, it's like anything in life. It It's it's standing up in the face of stress and stressors and adding them gently so your body and your mind can take on the more stress and be able to stand under it. Yeah. Yeah. Stand under it. That's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> it weighs uh, a lot. It crushes me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the basis and that just goes back to, as you know, being a trainer for the PRS stuff, you know, I always joke with people and go, self-care is the best care. I mean, without it, you have nothing. If you can't take care of yourself, you can't help anybody else. I mean, I'm a certified lifeguard. It's like, I'm told exactly what to say to you in the water, which is stay there. I'm coming to you. I'm going to swim behind you. Don't touch me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to drown you because you're going to try to drown me. (laughs) 
right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's knowing what the stressors are and when to get involved and when to go. Eh, it's- so along with that whole, um, it's only going to grow as fast as I can take it. I started thinking about how I was there usually all day on Mondays, just thinking through things and what I wanted to see happen for groups and all of that. I'm like, well, why, why don't we just open half a day on Mondays? Uh, then I have people to hang out with. That's exciting. And, and then people liked that and it started to build and I'm like, no extra days, can't handle any other extra days. And then over time I was able to handle that piece of it and, um, then say, Hey, what does it look like to open another day and then start to do that. And we actually opened, um, for a full day on Wednesday, right before COVID, and um, I actually, I think COVID was a, a, a very helpful for me in pacing because I probably took um, more than I could chew at that point. <laughs> and that shifted my world a little bit in, in the way that I broke up my time. Yeah, the whole world was like, boom. Yeah. Um, and so it, I started offering more opportunities to, to meet and connect. And then I'm hearing people say, hey, you know, I I woke up this morning, I was in a really bad mood, and I couldn't get myself reset. I came to check in. I'm feeling a little better. I feel encouraged, if nothing else. Um, so I'm going to give it, like, a, another shot at the day. And then saying that by going to that peer check-in, they had, um, like, an a new opportunity to get through the day uh, in a different way. And and that was a big deal. So as COVID happened, um, what I know for myself is change is difficult. And so having all of this change in our world that we didn't have control over, what do we have control over? And immediately had to pivot into Zoom and some of that stuff. And get a few people used to that idea, train them a little teeny bit. I think our last day, I was going through all the details about Zoom. And I said, and see you in two days. (laughs) We were growing as an organization in person. But uh, when COVID happened, it, we started to really uh, take off because there, there's a need. Well, and it's, um, that goes back to resilience and it's, and, and really it sounds like here when COVID hits, you are beginning to really start to take on the seeds of director of operations because now it's, it's how are we going to operate literally uh, if we can't meet in person because there's this little thing that's bugging everybody whose name I mentioned COVID. Um, it really, it sounds like the seeds for being director of operations is happening on the fly because as we all know, it was a left-hand turn for the entire planet. And so you pivot, you use the word pivot, which is part of being a leader and a director. So tell me, what does a day in the life of being a director of operations look like for you? All right. So I, I just want to put out there for everybody. I really don't know what the heck I'm doing out here in this. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> just why? No, it really, it's, it's, um, it, it you, well, it, you're a peer, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. you speak out of your authority, your lived experience as a director yeah. of operations. Yeah, exactly. And so really the vulnerability of just being honest that I didn't know what I was getting into, wasn't sure how to do 
the work that was coming up, um, but I was open to learn and I'm very much open to make the mistakes and figure out what works, what doesn't work. Um, but I did. I showed up at uh, Josh Peel Chamber of Commerce saying, I don't know what in the world I'm doing, but this thing is taking off and I don't, you know, I, I need some guidance, some help. Um, and they were there to help me when I in directions that were more indirect, I guess, to the organization. Um, but so I say that to say that um, every day is, a, is different, of course, but I have uh, meetings throughout the day, um, whether it be um, with a contractor, like later today in the IT world, trying to get uh, some better IT infrastructure under us so that people aren't coming to me going, oh, I have a computer problem. All right. So now where do I, where do we get people going when they do have a computer problem instead of pulling me? And then like financially looking to people who have that education and knowledge and how they can help us create processes that make sure that we're doing what we say we're going to do and that it's transparent. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I tend to be like overcautious on that. I'm like always contacting the state. Hey, did I do this right? Hey, is this going on right? What am I supposed to do here? Yeah, I'm just not interested in the money you're sending me. So I'm just going to say that live. I'm sending it back, <laughs> which is a joke, people. Yes. <laughs> they have great fiduciary integrity there at Robin's Hope. Um, but they've been helpful in that process of me learning uh, what needs to be submitted. Um, yes. And I don't have the, I can't handle the weight of, of holding secrets and such. I, I just, I can't. Financial transparency keeps mm -hmm. businesses not only afloat, but helps them prosper. I'm convinced. Yeah. Right? Uh, I heard a band once say um, in their song, basically, that they make their bed with honesty so they don't have to sleep with shadows in the room. You know, I mean, obviously, personally, we want integrity and honesty to be, you know, one of those um, just kind of duh qualities that we have, but that plays into our leadership because it, the, the organization lives or dies on leadership and, you know, financial, we all have areas that we grow in. And then, and when we know that there's an area that we're not great at, we pull in somebody who is. Exactly. But, right. Yeah. Um, so we, I brought in a, an outside contractor to help us establish these processes for submitting our funding information on time. Um, and that person happened to be a state auditor in the past. And so it's like except the sleeve. having, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> coming in and being like, okay, well, you need to do this process and it needs to be double checked and triple checked so that it all comes together the same number. And I just, wow, okay, thank you. And, and seeing the purpose behind that. So really leaning on other people and their strengths um, a lot of times, uh, to be honest, I, somebody comes to me with a question. I'm like, well, what do you think? Because it's not always what I think is the best way. Um, do right a lot of left. that. Bing, right back at you. Which also buys time when you're really searching for the answer. So, I, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Reaching out to the people who have the knowledge, asking for help. Uh, raising my flag, raising the red flag, you know, when things are getting to be too much and recognizing when I feel like I've bit off more than I can chew. 
Jennifer is one of those people for me that, you know, I can just let it rip if I have any kind of internal judgment or things going on in my mind and just let it out. But then also go, hey, this is you have a choice to come and do this work. And and I'm like, you're right. And I'm like, all right, so you don't have to come in today if that seems too overwhelming. And I really needed somebody to break that down into a really basic way. Or is there going to be somebody who lives or dies today because you're not at Robin's Hope? Yeah. Um, I'm like, well, no. People are, are big. They can take care of themselves. One. <laughs> um, so I had to really um, recognize that it's not me and that people feed off of one another and encourage one another. And I was seeing that happen in the groups, which is something that I had really hoped for. And so being able to model what I've learned from other people in those experiences and kind of struggle with that uh, imposter syndrome of, um, you know, because I'm a person in recovery everybody else um it just so happened that all of this stuff came together and yeah it was a lot of work um but it's it doesn't have to stay that way so now it's like okay this was my dream so now what does it look like for others and their dream um remembering that what i needed is going to be different than what other people needed and so I do a lot of empowering individuals to be part of the process of Robin's Hope, empowering voice and choice. Sometimes that somebody says, you don't have to be. I mean, it doesn't, not saying that in a mean way, but it's like, really, you have a choice. So if somebody comes into our virtual group or our in-person group, I have an opportunity to empower, uplift, support, listen, all of this stuff. Um, but when they, and give resources, but when they leave, I have to stop there. So a couple of areas of your responsibility that you've talked about is IT infrastructure and yeah. working with um, finances and getting people in place there to help with the ins and outs of that. And then you got some uh, wisdom and help from the Chamber of Commerce mm -hmm. as well. Yes. And then you talked about you know, leaning on other people's strengths, which I think is a great, a great trait for a leader because it really makes things a lot easier. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there, are there other areas? Cause it's a long learning curve to try to figure out how to try to be good in all those areas um, that you have responsibility in outside of the IT and the finance and I mean, you do programming, I would imagine. Um, so yes, absolutely. Programming, which came out of originally the design of friends for recovery. Um, Okay. And, uh, you know, what I remember back when I had a peer specialist there and what that looked like and trying to build a similar feel into the space. Uh, what are the things that that I need to learn? What are the things I need to grow in? OK, now I'm going to turn around and go, what are the things that you'd like to see here that you want to you know, implement and that it's not just our facilitators or interns that are facilitating the groups. Like, what do you want? And let's see how you can make that happen. Um, and that usually is is a, a big. You're wearing twin hats because usually a director of operations is really only about function, not about casting vision. And you it sounds like you get to do a little bit of both. You, 
you know, you get to help shape the operation mm -hmm. with casting vision. How's that satisfying personally? Yeah. Um, so a, a quick side is that uh, Jeremiah Foundation Inc. has a board and I actually am the board chair, but I'm not a staff member at Robin. So I am taking on the role of a director of peer services or operations. Um, but the idea is to really make sure that Robin's Hope stays consistent to what to a peer run program. Like if I need to step in and go, this is not like a peer direction, then I can do that. Um, but also then put my input on what is, what do we really need in this space? What do we, how do we encourage people to talk? And sometimes that was me jumping into a group and going, it, you know, Jennifer would say, has anybody journaled about that? And I'm like, please stop it. How many people in this room journaled? I'm like raising my hand going, no, I haven't. <laughs> and, and then letting the room kind of like realize that everybody here in this space is here as they are. The titles are gone and we're all just trying to help one another. And so I wanted to kind of pivot that way briefly. Um, coming back to. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, the, you are kind of wearing two hats because yeah. traditionally director of operations is really about making the organization run the nuts and bolts of it. And really a big part of that is troubleshooting. Mm -hmm. And then, but you, and so usually casting vision is not something a director of operations does, but you get to do both. Mm -hmm. yeah. Casting the vision the director of operation position that there's a, there may be a collective synergy there because you can think along two tracks like okay this is what I want done this is how I'm going to do it yeah not to well, be the case. yeah um it's casting vision I'm coming from my board chair hat like I've got these two different hats and I can pick that one up and go okay what do we want to see for the future and leaning towards the rest of the board, because again, it's not just my ideas. Like, what do y'all see? What do you want? Um, and, and then double checking and making sure it's kind of following the vision. And then um, I can turn around and go, so I'm actually visionary in the director of operations or director of PR services, because I am helping create processes um, that will go hopefully for long periods of time like and keep Robin's hope going in the future is by creating those processes that make the work manageable that actually you, you really nailed it it's the nuts and bolts and going okay well where does this piece fit into this and let me adjust that knob a little bit oh is that not working really well okay let's talk about that what do you think will work well does that fall in line with the mission of the organization is this what we want to see as a peer-run organization okay yes well guess what let's start implementing that idea it's really good um and encouraging people to bring those ideas and also um, recognize that not always some some ideas are good some um, not that they're not good or bad but they some work in this arena some don't yeah. uh, and and that and then being able like pivot being able to pivot um, and adjust when something isn't working out the way you know it needs to to work out and let's make it better and better and better and better. Yeah. 
Um, and I think the other piece of that is I also am able to do projects and training and stuff like that. And all of that is like that splash, you know, <laughs> that's just icing on the cake and what I really kind of enjoy more so than just about anything else. It's all about troubleshooting, right? There are problems. So let me find them because as soon as I find them, I can find solutions. And when I find solutions, things get better. Operations is really, you got to have the vision, but then, you know, that's the basics, but then you've got to have the operations, you know, um, and then what it all comes down to, what's the bottom line? Change lives. Heather, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you. And as we close, I think it's apropos that I'd like to have you read the personal bill of rights that were so effective in your life and life changing and that have guided your work there at Robbins Hope and your work as a visionary and as a director of operations, if you'll close us with that. So a personal bill of rights. Uh, I have a right to ask for what I want. I have a right to say no to requests for demands that I cannot meet. I have a right to express all of my feelings, pos positive and negative. I have a right to change my mind. I have a right to make it have to be perfect. I have a right to follow my own values and beliefs. I have the right to say no to anything if I feel that I'm not ready, if it is unsafe, or if it conflicts with my values. I have the right to determine my own priorities. I have the right to not be responsible for actions, feelings, or behaviors of others. I have the right to expect honesty from others. I have the right to be angry at someone I love. I have the right to be myself, to be unique. I have the right to express fear. I have the right to say, I don't know. I have the right not to give excuses or reasons for my behavior. I have the right to make decisions based on my feelings. I have a right to my own personal space and time. I have the right to be playful and frivolous. I have a right to be healthier than those around me. I have a right to feel safe and be in a non-abusive environment. I have a right to make friends and be comfortable around people. I have the right to change and grow. I have the right to have my wants and needs respected by others. I have the right to be treated with dignity and respect. And I have the right to be happy. Well, may all of our listeners also, if they have not heard those before, take a moment to rewind and listen to them again and listen to them again until they sink in because they are wonderful truths that uh, we should all really be able to hold, you know, for ourselves. And um, so thanks again for being a part of the show. Thank you, Chris. I want to thank our listeners for listening to the Peer Into Recovery podcast, which is brought to you by the Virginia Peer Specialist Network and Mental Health America, Virginia. And if you like our show and would like to subscribe to the podcast, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org. And please leave us a brief review on iTunes. In the meantime, please take care of yourselves, everyone. We'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.